The reading is from John chapter 4. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sichar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands before, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans, what you do not know, we worship what what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, I will explain everything to her. He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Here endeth the first part of the reading. I'll just begin in prayer. Lord Jesus, we have heard about an unexpected encounter with a Samaritan woman. Help us to encounter you now as we meditate upon the message you want us to receive right where we are today. May we go away from the encounter, just as transformed as she was, and just as eager to share the good news. Amen. 
So, our reading this morning is a long one, which is why I actually got rid of some of it, which is why I've broken it into two parts, the encounter and then an epilogue about what happened next. As we go deeper into Lent, the lectionary readings veer away from Matthew and we find ourselves in John's Gospel. We don't get long teaching sections like the Sermon on the Mount in John. Instead, we get discourses or discussions. And we don't get any parables, but we do get images like the great I am sayings. So I put them all on the slide in case you're interested. I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life, the true vine. But here, this morning, Jesus uses an image of living water. And we need to think about what that image means. But to help us get into that, let's take a minute to think about the two participants in the discussion. Jesus is retreating from Judea, where his teaching has caused an uproar, and he's heading back to Galilee via Samaria. The Jews and the Samaritans were hostile to one another. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans from the time that Israel and Judea split into the north and the south um, kingdoms, especially once the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians and there was intermarrying, and their religious practices um, started to diverge as well. I was trying to think of um, a modern analogy for this, and um, I don't know whether Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland works. I I don't know. But anyway, a Jew and a Samaritan having a conversation is already a surprising thing. Now throw into that mix that this is a Jewish man and an unaccompanied Samaritan woman. Alarm bells should be ringing. And now let's think about what kind of woman she was. I wonder why the woman was at the well in the middle of the day. Was she ashamed so she went out at the hottest time of day when no one else was around? Remember, she's a woman who has seen off five husbands and is now living with another man. I wonder what her life had been like up until her encounter with Jesus. Was she used to being condemned for her lifestyle choices? Or maybe she had just been very unlucky. I wonder what reception she would have expected from Jesus. We can read between the lines to understand that this woman was probably bouncing from one relationship to another, trying to find some kind of illusory happiness. Setting aside the specific details, she was probably like many people today who are looking for something to give their life meaning. Maybe it's through our jobs, our material possessions, our hobbies. But in the end, it's like grappling fog. The hole that they, that we, maybe, are trying to fill is a God-shaped hole. St. Augustine He was a rum fella until he saw the light. Uh, St. Augustine (laughs) 
wrote his confessions and he addressed God and said, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. God made us to be in relationship with him, all of us, even Samaritan women. There's something very intimate and personal happening between Jesus and the woman. What starts out as a talk about water quality changes. Jesus is meeting a greater need than the most basic physical one. Jesus is offering spiritual, life-giving sustenance. He says to her, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Like Nicodemus, um, his misunderstanding last week, if you were in church to hear that, um, when he's unable to look beyond the earthly physical birth to the spiritual birth from above, the woman first understands Jesus to be talking literally, referring to water from the well. She's not thick. (laughs) In Greek, um, the word for living water is the word for running water as opposed to stagnant water so we can understand her she asks how's he going to give her that then when he hasn't got a bucket but unlike Nicodemus who doesn't seem to move beyond his confusion the woman does move she asks for this water realizing it's not ordinary water although not yet understanding in what way She's in dialogue with Jesus, listening to him, identifying that he can meet her needs without necessarily having it all mapped out in a clear theology. Do we know that feeling? We're relieved that other people don't have it all mapped out. If we want to get a better understanding of what this living water is, then we've got the advantage that we can step outside today's passage and look on ahead to John 7. Verses 37 to 39 say, On the last and greatest day of the festival of the tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. We're the ones who came to believe in him and have later received, I hope. Further uh, clarification might come from considering that living water is referenced in the prophets as God's blessing, abundant life, healing, and salvation. Isaiah talks about wells of salvation. As soon as the woman asks for the living water, the conversation turns to her life, and Jesus will now tell her everything she's ever done, as she puts it. There aren't any words about her sinfulness. There aren't any words of judgment. What is life-changing for the woman is, according to her, she has been entirely known by him. 
And this being known has enabled her to know him. That's relationship. She immediately understands that he is a prophet and asks him a serious question about worship, to which he gives a serious answer. Worship is about personal relationship, not tied to a place. She suggests in her right roundabout way that he's the coming Messiah. And for the first and only time in John, Jesus says he is the one. He is the Messiah. We get another I am saying, if you paid close attention. Jesus said, I am he, the Messiah. Jesus says explicitly who he is to a Samaritan woman, an outsider. Now we're all invited into that relationship. We are all known by Christ. We can all know him. And we can all receive the living water of the Spirit. So let's now hear part two. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. It's the word of the Lord. So in part one, the woman has an intimate encounter with Jesus and recognizes him as the Messiah. Jesus tells her that God can satisfy her needs. She doesn't need to be restless. She can find her rest in him. What is her response? First thing I notice, she left her water jar. No need for water from the cistern anymore. She could have living water. I wonder... Can we stop trying to fill our water jugs in the wells of success, possessions, better this, more of that, and drink instead from the well of salvation, the fountain of life? That's a good thing to ponder in Lent. Second of all, she ran back. She didn't sneak back into town, and she told them, come see. She invited them to find out. She's not only received the Spirit, she has become a conduit for it. We have our own personal Jesus, but that living water overflows. The love overflows. We need to witness in word and deed. And the woman testifies to her town. As a witness, she says only what she knows and leaves the question with them in such a way that they feel compelled to come and see for themselves. Now, to me, that suggests it's not about what we know. 
but who we know. It's about having an encounter, experiencing the light of Jesus' truth and love shining in our lives, and then having the courage to drop anything that isn't that and go and share what we know. Not what someone else knows, just what we know as witnesses to his abundant grace gushing up to eternal life in us. And there's great comfort in not having to have that fully worked out, graduate level theological explanation, isn't there? It's your own experience, your own truth. You can tell it. God wants us to know him. Through relationship, we can find our rest in him. Through his living water, we receive spiritual sustenance and eternal life. That living water overflows from us and we can encourage others in. I just say a final prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us where we are and offer us living water, the Holy Spirit that fills us and transforms us. May we drink deeply and may the Spirit overflow into the lives of others. Amen.